0: Hi, thank you for joining me today. My name is John Newby. This is John 2020 Apologetics and the Lion and the Lamb podcast. And today's episode is going to be kicking off season three. Took about five, six weeks off. Tried to decompress. Made about one video on YouTube, maybe two. And now I'm back. Well, you know, I like to uh, definitely talk more politics and things on here. And by the way, this is a big thank you to... My followers, uh, thank you, and all praise the Most High. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. All praise goes to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me knowledge and wisdom and having me connect with people on here. Uh, my, my, uh, my YouTube channel is slowly growing, but my podcast is definitely growing at a faster rate. Um, I don't think I've been monetized on here yet. <laughs> Um, So I'm reaching people all over the place. And uh, I couldn't be more um, blessed and thankful for that. And I really appreciate all of y'all who listen to me. And uh, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Before I start this next episode, I want to give a shout out to my my other podcast uh, called The Watchman. It's got a knight on the front. That's what the symbol is. I just had a buddy who passed away. He's a fireman. Uh, his name is uh, Zachary Sorensen. Um, you can check out that podcast as well. Listen to him, listen to me talk about him. Uh, that podcast is aimed at uh, military and first responder issues, where I'm a chaplain with Serve Ministries, Inc. Okay. All right. So, just kick off our, uh, our third season here, episode one. We're going to talk about Jesus. And yes, I do talk more politics on here than I do on my YouTube channel. But we got to definitely start off the new season three with about Jesus, because he's all that truly matters to me. I love him so much and, you know, he deserves all that we can give him and more. So we're going to go to Genesis 22 with Abraham and the God of Israel. Oh, wait, I thought we were talking about Jesus. Well, we are that's the beauty of this as Jesus says in the end of Luke that all scripture is about him there's so much foreshadowing about Jesus in the Old Testament not only is he the angel of the Lord which just means messenger doesn't mean a hallmark or created being or hallmark fat baby with a bow and arrow the angel or messenger of the Lord we know that it's God who manifests himself in a human form because that being receives or that person of the Trinity of the Godhead receives worship and is called Yahweh so we know that the, that is Jesus manifesting himself in the Old Testament because Jesus is eternal but we're going to go here to Genesis 22 where we have all types of theophanies that are happening from wrestling with Jacob to walking in the garden to eating with Abraham and now we're going to where God is going to test Abraham now remember this is God has already told Abraham to his face that he will be bringing that his his uh, seed will be bring forth Israel okay so God has already told him that so Abraham's under the pretense that well if God is telling me this then I know I'm not being lied to and you can read that here later whenever he... And we'll highlight that as we go over this. But let's go over... Let's read here. Now, this is going to be... It's a new version, new translated version, but it's really good. It's called the Legacy Standard Bible, the LSB. I, I uh, If y'all follow me, I'd normally read from the 95 NESB. It's still my favorite and it's still my go-to. This Legacy Standard Bible is, is awesome. And it takes you know it takes in account more manuscripts and everything else, and it's just really good. But uh, let's go ahead and so this is going to be from the Legacy Standard Bible. I, I recommend y'all check that out. So Genesis twenty two, the offering of Isaac. Now it happened after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only one, whom you love. Isaac and go forth to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you okay so Abraham rose early in the morning so Abraham didn't even ask any questions just take your son and go make a burnt offering to me Abraham didn't even ask any questions so number one he's already showing his uh, obedience because he trusts God God's up to something God's up to something and He wouldn't. God wouldn't um, contradict himself because God can't lie see there are things God can't do like lie so he knows this so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Notice, by the way, if you're catching things here, remember this is about Jesus, right? Did you notice only son, would, third day, just this is all going to tie in here a second. I can't wait to explain this and go over this with you. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw a place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and we will return to you. So notice that so and and if you read, especially in the New Testament about um, witnesses to a statement or to an event where you can pinpoint something like, say, on church discipline, you have to have more than one witness. Notice here that Abraham tells two people that stay here with the donkey while I and the boy, go over there. He says, "Young to his young men, so more than one. Well, I go over there, and we will worship. So me and my boy, we we will worship, and we will return to you. So even though God told Abraham to go f- sacrifice his son as a burnt offering, Abraham's already speaking as if he, uh, un- that he knows God's got something up his sleeve, and he's probably this is probably like some teaching moment." And because he's not going to go against his promise. So Abraham is like, we will return to you. So by the way, atheists, because you know, the majority of my position is in an apologetic nature. When atheists like to point to the Old Testament where God's some ruthless bully, they always like to go to um, Genesis here where God tells Abraham to um, put Isaac as a burnt offering. But once you read it, you know, the whole thing. You can clearly see that Abraham was never under the belief he was going to have to do this because he knew something was up because earlier in the book of Genesis, is what Moses wrote, God told him that through his seed, he will be the father of Israel. Okay, so this isn't like mind-blowing here. This is why you should never trust what atheists and agnostics and skeptics, how they, you know, exegete the scripture because they read it on a very poor surface level and there's never any context to it nor do they ever even read the verses before verses after it's such a lazy approach it's very sophomoric but I love destroying it because all glory to God stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and we will return to you then Abraham took the wood wood again of the burnt offering and put it on Isaac his son wood on his son? Hmm, where have we heard that before? And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to Abraham. His father said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for which the burnt offering, my son. What is this resembling? So the two of them walked on together. So Abraham being asked by his boy, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb at? What's what's Jesus' nickname, by the way? Or one of his, uh, you know, uh, what we refer to him as the Lamb of God? And we're, I'm going to give you a, a good list here in a second. We're going to go over them all. So you can just really marinated in this because it's so awesome and beautiful he's asking where's the lamb at and Abraham is like you know look God's going to provide he's going to provide the burnt offering right so he's still continuing to walk in faith because of what God had promised because he knows again God can't lie there's things God can't do like lie or sin so the two of them walked on together then they came to the place of which God had told him and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and put him on the altar on top of the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand and took out the knife to slay his son now I have no idea what he's thinking at this time but I'm pretty sure he's still walking in strong faith I'm pretty sure Because it doesn't say anything about Isaac um, fighting him off or wrestling, trying to wrestle away from him. Isaac was going with his father. And what is a good son supposed to do? A good son is supposed to submit to his father. So this shows that Abraham also had his house in order. And he was listening to his father, trusting his father. And his father was giving him the, the passed down knowledge of his conversation that he had with Yahweh and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son but the angel of Yahweh called to him from heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here I am he's probably, he's probably like oh, thank God literally and he said do not stretch out your hand against the boy and do nothing to him for I know I know that you fear God Since you have not withheld your son, your only one from me. Now notice this is the angel of the Lord speaking. Fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from who? From me. And who's speaking? Who's speaking here? That's right. It's the angel of the Lord. But the angel of Yahweh, that is the subject. Okay? Okay so then we go to then verse 13 then abraham lifted up his eyes and saw and behold there was a ram after it had been caught in a thicket by the horns okay and abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering in the place of his son and abraham called the name of that place yahweh will provide who provided the angel of the lord provided who provided? Yahweh provided. The angel of Yahweh. As it is said this day in the mount of Yahweh, it will be provided. Then the angel of Yahweh called Abraham a second a second time from heaven. So now notice the angel of Yahweh is in heaven and said, My By myself I have sworn, declares Yahweh. So is the angel of Yahweh calling himself Yahweh? You bet he is. Yeah darn skippy he is then the angel of yahweh called to abraham a second time from heaven and said by myself i have sworn declares yahweh because you have done this thing and not spared your son your only son indeed i will greatly bless you so who's going to bless abraham the angel of yahweh who calls himself yahweh Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed to the stars of heavens and to the sand which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have listened to my voice. Who? The angel of Yahweh's voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and walked together at Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. So, let's go over some Commonalities that we see here from the gospels that we read about Jesus, our Lord, and the story that we just read, written by Moses, you know that which occurred five thousand years ago, six thousand years ago, somewhere around there. All right. So, in both stories, think about this: the father leads his son to be sacrificed. Think about that. big point number two did you catch that a donkey is involved on the road to the sacrifice a donkey is involved A good another point is they leave their homeland to go to the place of sacrifice so you know Abraham and Isaac they travel through the mountain Jesus leaves heaven to come to earth of course each son is the one and only son of the father or, or of his father Here's a mind-blowing one The sacrifice takes place on the same mountain. It's called Mount Moriah in the Old Testament It's called Mount Calvary in the New Testament also known as Mount Zion by the way What about that? Think about that How mind-blowing how mind-bending is that? What are the chances that a sacrifice occurred or was about to occur in the same spot 5,000 years later with all these similarities in the same spot, we have an account of Jesus. Say you're a massive skeptic and you don't believe any of this, but you're just listening to this podcast, which I hope and pray you are. I hope and pray more skeptics listen to this podcast, to be honest with you. What is the chances of that occurring? The historical event to where a guy was about to sacrifice his son— I'm sure you believe that there was men who were gonna who sacrificed their sons five thousand years ago. Even if you don't want to believe in the stories of the Old Testament, you can at least come and meet me in the middle that children were sacrificed. Right? What's the chances of that? Because I know you know you're not totally nuts. You do know that Jesus was an historical person. Right? Of course you do. All scholars, even atheist scholars like Bart Ehrman, all agree. I mean, everyone worth the weight and salt agrees that Jesus was an historical person and he was persecuted and he was crucified by Pontius Pilate. This is just n- not a debate. What's the chances of that historical event occurred? Say you don't believe he resurrected, but you at least come to the, to the uh, acceptance that he was a historical person that was cr- uh, sacrificed, crucified didn't say you got to believe he resurrected but what's the chances of that occurring on that same spot listen to this The, the companions the companions were told to stay behind that's another commonality the son carries the wood or the cross to the place of sacrifice you know the same place where Jesus was crucified at think about that one the son was submissive the will of his father both of them what did jesus do jesus listened to his father what did isaac do he listened to his father now here's a twist they both believed in resurrection some scholars have pointed out that abraham actually believed that he was going to have to sacrifice his son but because of God's promise that His, that the Father or God would um, bring him back forth or resurrect him, the the concept or the theory or the belief of resurrection is not something that spurred about in, uh, in 33 A.D. This was something that was known in Judaism, something that was believed in Judaism, and it's not hard to believe that. A man who believed that he talked to God in person would could take his son and then bring his son back. That's why he said, we will return. We will return. So even if he would have had to crucify his son, or excuse me, to sacrifice his son, then his son would have resurrected and came back anyways, and we will return, as he told the witnesses. The son, of course, was laid upon the wood or the cross and the son was bound to the wood or to the cross Abraham had a knife to pierce the son and Jesus' skin was pierced by whips and laced with bones, glass rocks, etc listen to this beautiful one the sacrifice was a substitute the ram the substitute for Isaac and Jesus as a substitute for you and I And for everyone else that's listening to this and everyone who's ever walked on this earth or ever will walk on this earth. Think about that. God in flesh. That's the type of sacrifice it took to pay for sin. I emphasized about the thorns and stuff. The rain was caught in the thorns and of course Jesus had a crown of thorns on his head. And I think the most beautiful one, the sun ultimately did survive. The sacrifice... And the Son resurrected on the third day. You see, all these Old Testament burnt offerings, like typically, again, bringing um, skeptics involved into this, they generally ask, why does God need a sacrifice? He's a bloodthirsty God, blah, 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 blah. It's about payment. And all those things were foreshadowing the sacrifice that God was going to give for us. That's what it's about. God preparing humanity to... Understand and accept the fact of what who God really is because man, we develop our own beliefs and our own views of how how God is. That's why you have such a different array of all these pagan gods. He's supposed to be some big, muscle bound, uh, you know, lightning throwing, powerful volcanoes erupting type figure, or some sexual female being that you know brings. Life. and That's how she does it through, through sex. It's it's always what other people perceive, and that's and that's because of the inherent evil and sinful nature of man. We're just evil and sinful internally inside. That's why we're supposed to be born again. That's why we're supposed to be made new. That's why we're breathed life into. That's why living water, the Holy Spirit, is turns over our bones of of, of you know our bones to flesh dead bones to flesh, to living. That's what it's all about. All this is, it's not just as, it's is it's maybe seems a little hard for us to, to think, but look at it from 5,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, how you would view things. It's easy for us to, to uh, think, oh, well, you know, of course God's going to be a loving God. Well, that's not the way that, look at all the past pagan gods. Look at all of them. Which one of them wanted love? Which one of them would give love? Which one of them would die and resurrect for you? It was what you could do for that false God, not what the true God would do for you. That's what it's about. It's all about him, not about me and you. That's what makes Christianity so unique. It's literally what God does for you, not what you could do for God. It's what God has already done. It's what God has already accomplished. to tell die. What Jesus said on the cross it is finished it is paid that's a court phrase a court saying it's been paid so all this was about that all this was about foreshadowing that all this God was preparing people that's why God didn't want mixtures of fabrics was you know like a lot of skeptics like to bring this up. Well, God cares what kind of fabric she makes. It was God preparing and foreshadowing His people not to mix with the world. All of this is like baby steps, baby steps, baby steps into understanding how God truly wants you to live. He doesn't want us intertwined with the world, pun intended. He wants us separated from the world. That's why He was on the strict eating laws. All of that's about this, these things. He's preparing us for that. We just look back and and we we can you take for granted already knowing this information. These were pre prehist- these were not prehistoric, but these were people who were figuring things out and the world was evil and wicked at the time. So it needed this type of progress. Kind of like like I've used this analogy before. Kind of like how if you got a kid, say 5 years old, you're going to let him play maybe in the front yard while you're outside gardening, right? And then when they get about seven or eight, maybe they can ride their bike around this, you know, a couple neighbors, uh, you know, neighbor's house and maybe in a cul-de-sac, something like that. And then when they get around 12, 13, they can they can start going maybe further down the road or maybe even ride their bike to school or take their bus. Or when they hit 16, 17 years old, they can maybe ride to the movies or go to the store, go pick up a gallon of milk. And then as they get older and as they as they grow and they mature. Spiritually, and they they mature mentally and physically. Then you start to loosen up things, and you and you step out of the way. But they've you've given the groundwork of these things. The same way with God's law. That's why it was so strict at the time. We were in an infancy. God's people were in an infancy. You can't just hey, you know, you can't you can't just you can't even look at your neighbor's wife sexually. That's what God wanted. But God started off with not sleeping with your neighbor's wife. Yes, he inevitably wanted you not to lust with your eyes, but he knew this was a progression. God has always met people where they need to be met, just like he met the the thief on the cross. He met him where he needed to be met. And that's why John the Baptist was already baptized by the Holy Spirit before he was even born. God met him where he needed to be met. God's going to meet you where you need to be met. Are you going to, um, you know, bend the knee to Him, though? Or are you going to push away from God? And that's what all this is about. That's what all these crazy laws in the Old Testament, all of this is about. But I wanted to make this first podcast, season three. I've been away for about five weeks, six weeks. I'm ready to be back I'm excited I'm going to i trying to pop one of these At least once a week We'll probably start tackling uh, More you know News worthy stuff I mean, My last podcast was on Jordan Peterson That one's doing well Y'all love Jordan Peterson Ain't no doubt about it <laughs> But uh, I'm not just going to Ride off Jordan Peterson Though I will talk about him Periodically I do find him fascinating I'm a massive fan of his But we're going to Stick to mostly Jesus And we're going to Knock in some politics as well I just wanted to share this this commonalities here with you. Question, comments, email me. Love y'all. God bless you in Jesus' name.